FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the spectacular episode 450 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. (laughs) (laughs) Does it hurt? Every time. (laughs) (laughs) I, of course, am your host, Jason, and I'm joined once again by the lovely Scalabros, and we are celebrating 450 episodes of the podcast, which is way too many, but here we are. (laughs) You're very old, Jason, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, hey, guys. So we're hey. each going to give our our favorite 450 moments of the podcast, right? Oh, okay. Right, right. I hope you have your list ready. Um, <laughs> and listeners, strap in because time will fly. I promise it won't feel long at all. <laughs> uh, after reading these books, I was like, this is a minimal effort type of podcast. But now I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, we, will. <laughs> we will hallmark the episode with a brand new X-Men number one. Um so yeah anything else we need to catch up on first i know you guys just put out a new uh loki wrap-up episode so looking forward to hearing that and did you have you all watched uh black window yet i have i don't think dan has yet okay cool we might might talk about that but i I think loki really burnt us out on mcu stuff for a minute so we're gonna get back to comic books (laughs) sounds good sounds good so, yeah, so we have a new X-Men uh, launching out of the gala, and then we have a couple other books we'll talk about as well. Um, you guys want to jump right in? Yeah, why not? Uh-huh. Let's do it. <laughs> such, <Let's>... such enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, we have to. <laughs> the sooner we finish, the sooner you can do something else, Dan. Right? <laughs> I will say I will say congratulations for 450 episodes though, and uh, oh, I yeah. apologize in advance that I'm totally low energy. For your 450. I feel like <laughs> no, I should have no like explode. We should have done the gut. Ga- we should have waited for the gala for your 450. I know it didn't quite uh, work out for the timing, but bummer. Yeah, I mean that's all right. Um, I think I think X Men a new X Men number one is a pretty good thing to. to yeah, I mean it's a big issue, so. <laughs> It is. Uh, it's by page count. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah. So I guess we'll we'll jump right to that. So X Men number one, new kids on the block. Well, oh 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 oh. Um, issue one, Fearless, chapter one in threes. These, the Dawn of X books. The hallmark of those is the way too many titles. <laughs> <laughs> but this, of course, is written by Jerry Dugan. With art by the wonderful Pepe Larraz, colors by the impeccable Marte Gracia, VCs Clayton Cowles on the letters, Tom Mueller on the design, and then Larraz and Gracia to have a nice wraparound cover. Um, front and center on the front side is Scott, Jean, and Laura, looking pretty awesome. And then on the back we have Polaris or Polaris, I guess, depending on what part of the world you're from. Uh, Sunfire, Rogue, and Sink. And they're fighting all kinds of stuff. We got tentacles and Velociraptors and giant robots. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 
some some of which are in the the comic. <laughs> After seeing his um, Velociraptors, I'm kind of bummed they were not in the comic at all. But maybe they're saving that for the Jurassic World crossover. Oh, let's not do that. <laughs> well, what do y'all think of the cover? Um, I really liked it. Is, it. is this the same one as like three months ago or something? Uh-huh. Like, but I do actually really like it. I think it's quite a fun cover. Yeah. Yeah, very fun. It feels very like uh, here we come, uh, X Men coming for action. It's it's kind of like a classic, you know, heroes fighting pose sort of a thing. But the colors make it work, I think. Yeah, I also like that the hatching are in X's, like the hatch coloring is of the shadows are in little X's, mm-hmm. the tiny X's all over. So it's nice branding. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good. Yeah. Yep, I think it's it's pretty nice, and I'm I'm discovering that Pepe Larraz has a yell face, but I, it's a good yell face, so it's okay. Oh yeah, uh, he, well, several of the characters have have a very Pepe Larrazzi yell face on this cover, but I I like it quite a bit. I think I think my dance and the colors make it really work, and yeah, it's just nice nice posing all around. So. All right, well, then we come inside. So we're fresh off of the gala. And one of the things, of course, that happened was the the turning Mars into planet Araku. And so we find out now that there was this guy, this kid who was a genius. And uh, he had some trouble. He kind of got McCullough Koken or, or Britney speared by his parental units, kind of got screwed over. and But he kind of eventually... Broke free, started a new identity, started a new company, and has been doing really well. But he's put all his genius eggs in the basket of space exploration and expansion and really had his eyes set on Mars. Like that was going to be, he was going to fly his crotch rocket up there to Mars huh. um, and, and take over that thing and, and you know, have his, his fortune just boom. And so when he woke up one day, oh, his name is now uh, Fei Long. And so he woke up one day and saw that Mars was now completely inhabited by the mutants. And that made him so mad that he, like, crushed a snow globe with his bare hands. And I guess he's kind of reddish. Looks kind of like Bastion. I guess he was also, like, modifying his body through science to, like, be able to live on Mars. I was going to offer like gene therapy as part of his business or whatever. So anyway, he feels like all of his, his hopes and dreams have been dashed by the mutants. And that's kind of the first, I guess, prologue to the story. So I kind of, let's just stop there for a second. <laughs> what do y'all think of this kind of idea? Um, and the first few pages here. Um, To be fair, it makes sense that, they would piss off the humans somehow. Um, right. They always piss off the humans somehow. And it it may be a bit out of the blue that this random super genius, because they keep fighting super geniuses, don't they? <laughs> right, so, yeah. many, so many. Um, uh, it, it, it's around, but at least this one feels like, 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 the, like it's, it's like rooted in that mutant fear that um, they'll just, in, just literally take over. Because of their mm-hmm. gifts, um, so it kind of roots it in the sort of classic X Men sort of fear the mutant kind of. But um, 
I was surprised that, uh, move, not even moving past this page, I was surprised at how much information was dumped within the first yeah. like, four pages. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, okay, we're getting, right, he's going to be the main vi- uh, villain of the whole piece. And then obviously the rest of the issue happens. And I'm like, oh, so much, <laughs> so much. And I feel like I'm overfilled. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, okay, you're really setting this guy up. He's probably going to be like the first year's like main dude until they change the roster in the next Hellfire Club. If we even Hellfire Club, Hellfire Gala, if we, if we even get that far. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, so yeah, it worked. This this issue well, is full of so many plot threads. It's just overstuffed. Uh, and I think you know, jumping ahead to sort of a conclusion on how I feel about the issue is there's just too much going on here um it just felt like okay you're introducing this guy and then what are we doing with this guy it it just seems like a whole lot uh as far as the hellfire gala goes uh they did a uh san diego comic-con panel yesterday hickman's not not on it for who knows why uh (laughs) but leah williams was so hooray and um but uh one of the fan questions was you know uh like uh are going to do a Hellfire Gala every year, and it sounds like uh, they want to do one every year, and they also want to do an election every year as well. So that could that could happen. Interesting. And I guess it just depends on how they play it, right? That could be something that's cool for a few years. I I, I mean, I guess every year means however long is good, <laughs> right? Right. So I mean, I don't think we're talking like twelve years worth of this, but I mean, I think like as long as there's a Krakoa right. happening, yeah. And that can be all right. I mean, as long as they stay true to like the character focus and the fun of it, I think sure. no, I don't, I'm fine if they do that. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, I did. I really liked the introduction. I thought it was a good bad guy with good motivations. Or I don't know if he's. A, I guess I'm jumping to conclusions, assuming he's going to be a bad guy, um, an adversary. We'll say right. that. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a pretty good introduction. So then we moved to uh, this treehouse in Central Park. Uh, it's kind of half Ewok village, half, I don't know. Um, it's got like pods for rooms and stuff. And so we find out kind of through the course of all this that Emma took some Marauders money and, and bought up some real estate. And then uh, Tempo... And some other people like so they planted like this the seeds that Forge had and Tempo matured it overnight. So like suddenly, again, right on the heels of kind of the the Mars bomb dropping, they they build this giant treehouse. And obviously, some people were ooh, really excited. Some people were like, I can't see out my window anymore. Damn right. mutants! <laughs> um, and you know, and there's kind of that mix of emotions and. Uh, there's a really, I thought, pretty good conversation between Cyclops and Ben Yurik, who he's trying to like actually do some journalism, and Cyclops kind of cuts him off and gives him some sound bites of of what he wants to be heard, and then kind of is like, all right, toodles. Um, but I thought that that kind of the stress and the dynamic of like Ben not really getting what he wants, I thought was pretty pretty good writing. What y'all think of this kind of next piece? Um. I've been reading a lot of DC, so it was just like, oh, Hall of Justice. Um, because um, <laughs> uh-huh. essentially it's Avengers Attack, because they, they picked uh, Manhattan because it's where everyone else is. Right. It's like the focus of all superheroes. So, um, we've got like an Avengers treehouse. Um, <laughs> but I actually really, this is this is the part that really 
I was really, I was like, oh, we've had an introduction that wasn't that bad. This is like the meat of the matter. And then the book just doesn't stop giving me new things. <laughs> right. Um, and I really enjoy this, though. I really liked that. Uh, it was quite a surprise to see someone like Ben Ewick be a, like talk to Cyclops because we've had right. just mutant, mutant on mutant, like, of interactions for the past year or so. So it was nice to see them like, once again venturing out and talking to other people. Right. Um, and I like that Cyclops is kind of like push them off, um, but in like a hopeful way. I think it's weird. I don't know if they mention it later or in another book. I think it's weird that they have these little, little like pod glass pod things that honor the dead or, or honor people. Mm-hmm. Like, because I keep seeing, um, is it um, the first, uh, is it John Prouts? Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Yeah. Why isn't he? Why isn't he being resurrected? They actually, so they they kind of mention it, don't they? And now I'm trying to remember what the reason was, but there's. I mean, they talk a little bit in Marauders about you know if they don't have a backup for this guy, how are they supposed to? Right. Right. This is true. Get back in time. They they died too early. Well, yeah. I mean, that's well. I guess we'll get to that. Yeah. Suggestion in a little bit, but um. Yeah, Georgie, what do you think of this this section? You know, Ben trying to find out about dead mutants suddenly being alive, and Scott just saying, "Oh, didn't you like the Gala?" <laughs> then... Right. No, I mean, this, like this is once again great setup. It's not. I don't have any problems with these individual sections. It's just that they set up so many things here, right. and nothing really gets paid off. Uh, it's it's just a little frustrating that way. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so then next we kind of get a tour of the treehouse. We we see Laura. She earns and Polaris and Scott as they're walking around. Um, just kind of give all the little the little map of the area, and then they get a a warning, and there's something falling through the sky on fire. Rogue tries to stop it, and it's a giant purple robot alien, and it shoves Rogue through like three buildings back towards the treehouse. Uh, so if they were worried about the windows before, they're going to really be worried about the windows huh. now. And then um, basically our, our new X-Men spring into action in a great panel. Uh, we have Polaris leading the charge, Cyclops, Jean, Sunfire, Sink, and Wolverine behind them. And they go to fight the robot. Polaris is like, what? I can't affect this metal. So Rogue saves her. Then they all kind of regroup. And this robot sends out like headache waves, basically. Um, yeah. And so, so while everybody in this the vicinity is getting a headache, uh, Lorna is able to wrap them in like a cocoon of construction metal, and that somehow blocks out the headache. Um, so it's like a giant, giant Tylenol cocoon. And when Gene's like, I can't find a mind to lock onto, Sunfire's like, let's just melt it. Which, by the way, I really love uh, the kind of incorporation of different Sunfire designs that Laura's put into this costume. I think it's really nice. Um, yeah. Then they decide, okay, we're going to figure out what to do. Um, Sink has some, he still has like Forge's brain, right, with his powers, with his Sink powers. And they basically build like a giant X. I wouldn't even say it's an X mecha. It's almost like a, it's a giant X like junk robot. Like it's a Ye- it's a Jaeger from uh, Pacific Rim. That's what yeah. Oh, okay. I never saw that. Um. So, 
Yeah, but there's, I mean, it's kind of a cool like little reveal. There's like a they're they're doing their powers, and you see like this horizontal uh, panel of just like this glowing X, and the the alien robots like, and then you see this like just action figurey, almost Lego looking like giant steampunky robot that's made out of like metal from the city and then you get the nice like voltron circle squares everybody's head like what they're going to do how they're reacting um that was a pretty nice page and then um basically they go into action and they fight inside their giant robot the other giant robot and that's kind of in the middle of this they use their powers so it's like much like uh, i forget what book it was in was it the i think it was in the original astonishing where cyclops uses like his blast through the blackbird like kind of a similar thing where he's able to send an optic blast through this giant lens in the robot um because of all the ruby cores swinging around manhattan um and then um and then it like electrocutes them and they all get electrocuted but wolverine's like no i got it and she jumps out in a really cool panel um where she finds a weak spot in the alien robot and cuts her way in much like wolverine is cut into the heads of sentinels and though they lose their arm, Wolverine wins the day. And there's a cool panel of her, like, sticking her claws up to the robot. I like that panel, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then they decide to send, like, well, we don't want to throw this robot away, so we'll let it do, like, work for us. And they send it out to, like, a Krakoan water hydro-based thing. Um, and then we go back, we find out, that all of this was just like an international casino gambling thing, uh, and people were betting that the robot could beat the X-Men. Um, there's all kinds of cool-looking aliens, but I was like, eh, okay, that's... Who's the guy in the bottom left corner in red with, like, the uh, the mohawk? Oh, that's the high evolutionary, right? Okay, okay. It's got to be, doesn't it? Yep, that was yeah. Yeah, I mean, because he has he has the Mohawk version, not the '70s like lunch handle version. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, he's got like the the shoulder pads and the the metal sweeping on the arms. I don't see who else it could be. Um, and then we find out that someone is trying to recreate the Krakoan egg sacks, like the resurrection sacks, and it's kind of working. And it's this Fay Long guy, and he's he's turned his research. Well, I guess they don't explicitly say that, do they? I I'm assuming, mm-hmm. maybe I'm assuming incorrectly, uh, but someone is trying to recreate the uh, resurrection protocols using you know just normal human science, and but they are also very have an agenda looking at all these mutants that have died and that have verified deaths and are back alive, and that's where we end. So George, you kind of already uh, already talked a little bit about your overall feelings, and I, I think I'll definitely kind of kind of move into that in a second. Dan, did you have any? Or I guess George, anything else you wanted to add to those middle and end parts? Um, you know, I I, I felt like it started off with a big idea of you know we're we're going to uh, we're building the treehouse or whatever, and then it just turned into uh, we're fighting a a, a, a monster. It didn't. I don't know. For an issue one, it just felt like a non a non fight. 
like I wasn't really mm-hmm. that excited. I wasn't like, oh no, what what does this mean? It's just like, well, there's this weird. We've got these. Once again, we've got these concepts, and then oh, whatever. We'll just fight some stuff. I I, <laughs> I was a little <laughs> disappointed. Like that's that was the whole issue. Especially you set up this dude in space and uh, the treehouse, and then oh, there's just uh, robot fights. I don't. It was like you're setting up all these things. None of them really paid off. Plus, I wasn't really, I wasn't that excited with the fight. It felt just like very generic comic books to me. So that was yeah. it was a little, I was kind of disappointed with issue one. Okay. What about you, Dan? So I'm just looking at the panel of Rogue flying underneath the. Um, That's a great panel too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There was there are um, some dare I say iconic superhero poses going on in this book. It literally yes. looks like a superhero comic as opposed to the normal Cocoan uh, comics. Um, which I think is the purpose of this being the superhero team. Um, right, right. I think we're all in agreement that it looks astonishing throughout. Yeah, and sure. even if the um, even if you're overloaded with information, uh, each panel at least like oozes some style and substance, especially with the color work and like the weird spider dude at the end mm-hmm. um, with all the greens. But um, I don't feel like this is an issue one. I feel like parts of it are issue one. And then the rest is like stories that are supposed to happen in like issue five on <laughs> or like <laughs> later on. Uh-huh. Like I feel like um looking sort of imitating Hickman and Claremont at the same time. With like big ideas but so many little epi- like little like interludes at the same time so that we have like this weird mishmash of 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 a of a it's very it moves forward with a pace it wasn't like a really hard read but there's just so much going on that at the end of it i was like do i care about anything that's happened <laughs> like uh, i forgot hold, hold i didn't on. even hold on stop jason said he's lost everybody hold on oh okay it's okay. My brain's melting anyway. Just going like listening and listening to that that thing again. I was just like, my god. Yes. Yeah. Me too. How much? And we're back. Hey, listeners. Sorry about that. Um, Skype decided to um, upgrade the app on my computer, like in the middle of our conversation, without telling me. So, yeah. uh, the last thing that Dan was talking about before I got cut off, and I don't. Well, I'll have to check and see where the recording stopped and basically dan you were saying about how probably intentionally uh this is the superhero book and more superhero superhero-y than the other krakoan books so far so i'll let you let you finish up that thought yes uh cliff nuts um so it's mainly in its visuals i think as a a lot of the krakoan books have a very distinct like they all have a very distinct style and it may be just because Coco is very plant-like, and a lot of the uh, backgrounds are, are lush and um, multicolored. But this one, very, there's a lot of panels here which are very, very superhero, minus the big mecha fight. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's some really fantastic um, sort of individual panels. You've even got like a, a sync with goggles. Like uh, when syncs with his goggles, he almost looks like Hank repairing right. something. Right, right, sat, yeah. And with um, with um, Nightcrawler, or AKA Forge, dropping their head down, like there's very like interesting sort of visuals which remind me of the old pure superhero type of X Men going on. 
Um, and I really think the the art drives how home the whole thing. It, uh, it it brings it brings home the bacon, I suppose, when it comes to like just going. This book is something you should read, um, right? Because it is so beautiful to look at, and the color work is phenomenal throughout. And my only gripe is I've got two problems. There was a lot going on, and it gets a bit. It, you, when you were recapping it, I was like, and then there's more. And then there's more. Because <laughs> yeah. it feels very much like someone's bought like a starter platter. Um, and there's just too much food on the table. <laughs> and, and each each time you like take one plate, another plate replaces it. And you're like, oh, God, I can't eat all of this. <laughs> um, so it feels very much like that. And it feels like almost like you, you spoil in the art for like a wealth of all these beautiful aliens ridiculous looking ship and things do feel unique like the mushroom fungus thing um and and such forth and there's some great visual work but there's just too much story which is a crazy thing to say but it's set up story whereas i feel like what this book really probably should have focused on is team building and yeah it's very it's very personal the first two instances the first first two segments are very personal until until it's like the alarms go off and everyone goes Voltron. Um, like, did, did that, Sunfire even have like more than two lines? Did he even have two lines? It was, <laughs> you know, there were. And it worries me that Wolverine, Wolverine is being um, possibly Duggan might write her more like Logan than um, Laura, but we'll see. Obviously, she's got hardly anything visually. She's got loads to do, but she says pretty much nothing. Right. <laughs> so it's hard going forward because. Obviously, the great work Duggan has been doing in Marauders should hopefully translate to this with a big, bigger cast. Um, unless he he hates uh, Polaris with a passion and she gets the short shift. Because like they even do like a they, they throw away a, a a comedy moment at, at Wanda's death, like <laughs> like a little like comedy yeah. skit and such forth. And that part of the book where it's being personable with Benurik and even the the uh, Fei Long who is named after a Tekken character. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, um, like, it, I only remember because he's my favorite Tekken character. Um, one of, anyway. But, um, those bits are really good. And the fight's just like popcorn-y sort of things you'd see in like a Transformers film. Um, but it's the end, where it's like epilogue one, two, and three. And then you just they just go, that's it. <laughs> and they just like, uh, could yeah, it? Yes, and, yes, yeah. You up. Yeah. Oh, okay. No more X Men then. Once they've finished, because like even the celebration when the X Men are like congratulated by the Fantastic Four and uh, the Avengers, who just recently were really like standoffish is the wrong word. Sort of not particularly like, oh, the X Men are awesome. They're kind of like left quicker with mixed feelings. But here they're like, yeah, we love them. Um, so yeah. it's a bit, it's a bit odd. But I've gone on for too long. So there you go. <laughs> yeah i mean i think obviously we're all three of us agree visually the book is stunning and i think i hate to say take it for granted but i mean i'm trying to think of either of them but especially the combination of Raz and Garcia, I, I can't think of a time when they disappointed um you know i'm going all the way back to some of the stuff they did in the star wars books right like that's just that's a combination made in heaven and it's, I think it's going to always look pretty good. Um, I thought the beginning, like the stuff outside the fight, 
was really interesting to me. And then I think had the fight maybe just in any way tied into any one of those things, I would be like, all right, cool. <laughs> but the fact that it's oh wait, I, right, so so let me let me say this. The scenery of of the spaceship and the aliens and the casino and all that looked fantastic. But when the reveal sure. happened that that whole fight was just like people gambling on intergalactic MMA, like I was like, oh, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. I was like, it's not it's not terrible. It's not stupid, but I, I think maybe the book like has has heavy and character stuff on the ends in the middle. He's like, oh, we need to lighten this up a little bit. Like, we got to do something lighthearted. And so it's just kind of this silly fight. I think, I think while not everyone got to speak, I thought most of the characters got to shine. So as far as the team building, I think they got some of that. So I wasn't as down on that as you guys, but I definitely agree. It's kind of just this whole middle section is just kind of creamy marshmallow puff. Um, and it's not bad and it looks great, but it is, it, it feels very tonally different from all the other prologues and epilogues. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just was a little, little, sh- um, abrupt. I felt like in, in some of the pacing, but, but I mean, for a, an oversized issue, I, I still enjoyed it for the most part. So, I'm definitely, I mean, it definitely didn't like turn me off to the series. Like, there wasn't enough to be like, oh, what are we in for? I mean, I, I feel like the series will still probably be pretty great, and I'm looking forward to, to what comes next. And delving into some more of these subplots, hopefully, is more main plot. <laughs> and not, you know, hopefully, it won't be. Hopefully, knowing that the ideas we had this team for a year, it won't be too Claremontian, where it's like, you know, a page in the back of a book for like three years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so. that would, if every issue was like, and then another MMA fight happened, and it, like the final two pages, like, all right, I'm putting down my money on this next thing. Like, I would be <laughs> so bored with that. Right. It's very Power Rangers. <laughs> True. Yes. True. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I feel like we have a pretty mix of kind of emotions and responses to this. Um, so I guess two two things. I kind of already said my piece about how it makes me feel about the series. So why don't you all kind of how does this make you feel about the series? And then we'll go and do our grade from there. So um, I don't know if I'm – I have the confidence it'll look good. I just don't right. know if it'll – I don't know if it'll – it's a bit wobbly for me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the art will be great if the team sticks around. I just, I don't know. It didn't really, it didn't inspire me. Like, I was, you know, the first X-Men books back, they're going to, you know, the team's form, is there going to be a focus, a purpose? Not really. I just felt like, felt like uh, I was being shook from one side to another without any real reason <laughs> for it. All right. Well, um, let's see how. Sometimes we're very different, and then our scores aren't that different. So let's see. <laughs> right. Let's see. Let's see where we all shook out in the end. So with the total package, uh, Dan, where were you on X Men number one? Um, I think I'm at number four. Um, 
a four. I think it's just it feels like a four to me. Okay. Yeah, I'm also like a low a low four. I was tempted to go three, but I think the artwork and even though it's not like really focused, it's not like a it's still written well. It was just too much too much happening there. So it's it's a low four, mostly for the visuals. Okay. And I <laughs> so I think I enjoyed it more than y'all, but I'm also in a very high four, not I was <laughs> almost to that five range. And maybe I want to say five just to be different, but it's really a high four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it was definitely enjoyable. I and a, uh, a beauty to look at. I could have used a little more, a little more meat in the middle. But, yeah, I think I think it also depends. Some people are so excited about the X robot that that's all that mattered. Um, I saw plenty of that and there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. But they didn't quite. That in and of itself was not enough for me to kind of latch on to, um, personally. But yeah, a, real, a really high four, almost five um, for X-Men number one. Cool. cool. One second. So yeah. you're saying that the, so the X-Robot was the main, like, for me, I was like, oh, I'd rather see them use their powers. <laughs> yeah. I know, they, yeah. I, know they, I know they did, technically, but I was like... <laughs> they did just like terraform a whole planet with their powers, but instead of fighting this monster with their powers, they they built the thing out of metal. It was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I saw I saw lots of really positive response to it online. So I think people were just like, "Oh, this is fun," and it is to a degree. And just can I that. also say, like, after spending a lot of time in Japan and then looking at this mecha, I was like, "This trash can with arms is not like right, the design right. here was not so good." Well, I think it was more like, uh, I mean, obviously the scope of it is way off, but the aesthetic felt more like Wally, right? Or, or like Wally. Yeah, you know, like the Disney one. Oh, okay. This old, like gotcha, old yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of rundown robot aesthetic. Um, or you know, well, I get it. Maybe it's a little Star like, Wars. It does. It looks like a giant trash can. Looks, you know what it looks like. <laughs> There were uh, it looks like toys I used to have, and I don't know what they are. Oh. But um, all right. It, so there was a robot that had like a suction cup on the bottom, and you uh-huh. stuck it to like your table or whatever, and the arms were kind of like rubbery, but they had like you know little guns and stuff, and you like I I remember what they're called, but they're like these cylindrical robots that like stuck with a suction cup, and then you can like fight them and stuff so if anyone like remembers like, what those are called um, i feel like we're stuck talking about this <laughs> yeah. design and um i i will send you guys a, a picture of uh one of the jaegers from pacific rim because it literally looks the okay. same awesome so, <laughs> almost the same very good all right well yeah let's not get stuck so let's move on to way of x number four way of x yeah um airs and graces uh issue number four with um, when my tablet decides to load it up with all of the creative details. But, um, <laughs> so, um, written by Sai uh, Spuria, artist uh, is Bob Quinn, um, co-artist is Hava Tatagulia, uh, VCs Clayton 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 Cowles is the letterer, Tom Mueller is design, and Giuseppe Camacoli and Marty Gracia are the cover artist. And the cover is just curtain between father and son with ominous eyes in the background that's that's the cover uh, how do you feel about the cover 
it's simple, but I really like it. I don't know. I'm a Kevin Coley fan anyway, but I uh, I like the way Nightcrawler looks, and it is it is very simple, but it, it works for me. What about you, Georgie? It's okay. I'm not really a Common Cully fan. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're in water or like sludge. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I, like concept-wise, I get it, but like uh, it, was, it was fine. All right. I love the I love the eyes in the background. Um, but the rest of it's mm, no, it works. Anyway, um, on Mars, Lo- Lost. That's her name, isn't it? These days. Um, uh-huh. Lost is recanting a story which clearly is about herself and uh, Fabian Cortez may or may not have murdered her parents and um, Legion's like, mm-hmm, your law, Nightcrawler and Nightcrawler does the usual uh, and spiel of, oh, it happened beforehand, it's fine. Um, <laughs> also, while they're on Mars and deciding what to do, um, Dust comes in for a special guest appearance to just prove how awesome she is. Uh, because the the Omegas uh, may have terraformed Mars, but they hadn't fought the consequences. And so Dust is there to stop these massive sand waves, which are caused by the moons um, of Mars. And uh, she like sort of absorbs herself into it. And then she tells them that the Arakoans um, are fine with the sand because they love getting sliced by sand. I don't, they, all, they all sound a bit masochistic. Um, and so... Nightcrawler goes off to Faye uh, to like sort of talk to Fabian and is greeted to Gorgon going crazy because Fabian's upped his telepathy, which I didn't even know he had a, as a power. I didn't either. Um, right. I, thought just, I just thought it was stone stone eyes, but obviously maybe that, that his resurrection since um, going into Otherworld has given him more juice. But yeah, Fabian's been an absolute arsehole as usual. Um, he's upped his telepathy and everyone's scared of um, of Gorgon and sort of Fabian's just being his smarmy self and I'll do this storyline first because much like X-Men this one has multiple elements um, Kurt decides to do some slapstick comedy and teleport into ice cream to make everyone laugh which then makes Gorgon happy and then he punches Fabian and takes Fabian to his worst nightmare which is a, a, a conversation um, well, it's also like making Gorgon happy means his telepathy is making everyone else happy, right? Yeah, it's, well, he's sort of feeding off their laughter, so it's not right. right, right. So he's a feedback no longer, loop. So yeah, he's no longer gonna like murder everyone and turn them off the stone. But yeah, it's quite a simple. It's nice. I think that yeah, we'll get into that anyway. Um, over in Krakoa, in the only bar in on the entire island. <laughs> <laughs> um, Man, I would open millions of places to drink. Not just one. The the island's huge. There's like right. every little inlet would have a. I'd make a franchise. No money, obviously, because Krakoa seems to have no economy um, outside of <laughs> what they sell. But um, yes, uh, everything's red because it's one of those. Um, I think it's a red light, blue light, yellow light party um, in in this lagoon, and Daddy and son having a nice little chat but everyone around them is getting more anxious which then leaves them open to a certain 90s headache and yeah well he just erupts um in all of its onslaught glory and then uh we find out that in during the course of the conversation legion tells him that 
Zorn and Zorn. I don't know if you would pronounce them differently with only one letter difference. Are there to just to nuke anything that goes wrong? And they nuke everyone <laughs> in the bar. Uh, um, and then that leads to them having a nice little chat, uh, the Zorns and Legion, and Legion decides to build a temple on Mars with the star brand, because it looks like the star brand. That's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And the temple is for safety from Onslaught and other crap that goes on. Yes. I don't know how I feel about this this book. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was just saying, when you had the technical difficulties, I was just saying to Georgie that the books don't, much like Exosaurs, the books don't, not many of the books are bothering with the Hellfire Club fallout other than saying, oh, you were really drunk, Nightcrawler. <laughs> right, um, right. Um, obviously, Spurrier is really just not bothered about any of the events other than Mars, because he's got a new setting to play with. He's not really bothered about anything else. Um, he wants to tell his story. I feel like there's some really nice Nightcrawler moments, and Fabian isn't is an absolute twat, so that makes sense for him to, to sound the way he does. Um, for issue four, I'm glad they're revealing Onslaught like in his full like glory now because then it means it gets over quicker. Because I'm just not, I don't know about you two, but I just, I have all of the nostalgia that they're trying to like milk over the past, over the course of all of their X books, and the X officers are just throwing old characters and old concepts at us constantly. I generally think Onslaught would have just stayed in the bin, but yeah. not like creeped out like a cesspool of unwanted ideas i don't know i it's just not really i like i like the conversation between david and charles i just don't care about the overall plot there so right is there a reason why this is a nightcrawler book because uh spurrier is not interested in doing anything with nightcrawler right uh there's no movement on his religion or whatever, he's not really helping anyone. He's just sort of tagging along as Legion leads the book, right? There's no... Yeah. I don't know, like... They hinted at, at Nightcrawler's got this, like... Uh, what's the quote from, from Loki? Like, glorious purpose. But uh, it's just like Loki, uh, the main character, not really doing much. Uh, it's, it's the other character who showed up who's sort of leading everything. And that's really kind of disappointing. Like, I've been, the first issue of this book, I was like, okay, but at, after Legion showed up, I've been, like, less and less happy with this book, and I'm actually really kind of disappointed with this issue. Uh, I don't feel like the artwork is that uh, stand stand out. I mean, it, it's it's okay. Uh, and I don't, I don't care about Onslaught. There's no reason to have Nightcrawler in here. It's just sort of like... Uh, and we don't get any of the side characters in this in this issue either uh, that that make sort of the fun happen. It's it's I, honestly I was really you know we were excited about uh, the, the team who's leading this book, but now this this feels like a, a real letdown. Yeah, um, I think the art's actually kind of grown on me from a conversational perspective. Uh, facial expressions I thought were really good throughout. A um, couple of highlights for me just. Um, yeah, there's the part where um, when we get to the first Fabian scene, he's looking on giving Nightcrawler the side eye. I thought was really nice. Um, the conversation, I much like Dan, don't really care about the onslaught piece, but 
the actual conversation between Charles and David is nice. And when Charles takes the helmet off, like the, the play with his face and body language, I thought was really good. Um, yeah. And baby is just kind of on the parking bench. Like, it makes a lot of different facial expressions. And it works really well for me. I enjoy Nightcrawler kind of, you know, Dan referred to slapstick, but I think is definitely appropriate, but also reminded me like, like channeling his inner circus days, right? Like, oh, I need to do something like a clown mm-hmm. thing to to turn this around. That was a pretty like working well on his feet. Um, but then also, Georgie, to your point, I this is definitely a Legion book. I mean, without doubt. I mean, even even with the talk of Nightcrawler, like trying to figure out the religion, Legion's like he's the one all along the way is challenging like. Well, what about this law? What about this law? And then he even is the first one to build a temple, right? I know it's more of a refuge or whatever, but, you know, all these, like, kind of touchstones of, like, figuring out some sort of quote-unquote religion that Nightcrawler was trying to do. David, I mean, Legion's kind of going and doing it all himself. So, Um, once again, why did we set up Nightcrawler to be, like, this person and then he doesn't do anything? Right. I mean, and don't get me wrong, like, I appreciate Nightcrawler's, like, wrestling and trying to figure out, like, what parts of his face still apply, what doesn't, is there any way to carry that over to the whole population, like, what people are looking to me for, um, but even that, I feel like, is just kind of a minor part of the story at this point, um, Uh I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disliking. I'm maybe not necessarily quote unquote disappointed, but it's definitely not. The book kind of was like, oh, well, this could be pretty cool, and this is kind of turned into a lot of talking talk, and then the onslaught thing, which I don't care about at all. I think I think the ideas are there and the the conversations that should be having that people should be having about like, creating this sort of uh, faith in Krakoa are there. It's just not um, we were per- we were all led to believe it was Nightcrawler that would lead us lead us the way. And much like any kind of like faith based story, it's never the sort of cho- it's like the non-chosen like we're, we're clearly right. going through the whole like, <laughs> the non-chosen hero kind of path where Nightcrawler might be like looking like the face of the book but isn't and um I clearly when um whatever it was called when he was writing Legion before uh, X-Men Legacy uh when he was doing Legacy clearly he had a lot more to say right um about Legion and I think that's what we're getting now Mm-hmm. Is that Legion Legion facing his dad's greatest enemy or worst fear or whatever? Um, and it it does throw Nightcrawler into because it, it, after issue two after issue two I no longer believe Nightcrawler was the main character of the story anymore. Though he was right. more like a it's more like a buddy story, or like a half and half. Like, I would you're gonna give Nightcrawler half? I wouldn't I wouldn't even give him half. Right. I don't know because even. Yeah, try. I, was, I I'd give him half because he get because he gets given. It's kind of like those weird parallels, power parallels in um, kids TV, where Nightcrawler gets to go do the Sesame Street thing, where Legion gets to go do the darker thing. I suppose. 
It's like each issue has had Nightcrawler basically do like a uh, drugs are bad. Oh no, drugs aren't bad. Brothels are bad. Oh no, brothels are okay. Um, you know, ice, ice, laughter is the best form of medicine. Like I feel like he's like <laughs> telling kids like what like he's got like all these um, things being challenged for him. And he's having to deal with them on a day-to-day basis, and it's not really, you know, it's, it's not about planning. It's sort of about, like uh, Jason said, it, he's kind of finding it in, on his feet. Uh, whereas Legion has got, it feels like Legion's got this massive plan laid out for the future, um, all to do with his dad, essentially, as usual. And sure. um, no, I, I think I that's get what that. the, the it's just like you set up. Our Necro's going to have something to do. He's one of the main characters we've been waiting to have, like a book and a purpose for forever. Setting it up, oh, hints, hints, books announced, great, Nightcrawler. And then, eh, I'm not really interested in, in doing what, following up what Nightcrawler is doing. I just really want to focus on someone else. And, and that feels, it just feels like a, uh, like a deception from right. the, 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 the edit, edit, uh, the uh, ex- office and and from the creative it's just like oh this is what you wanted the bait and switch i'm not really going to talk about that he's not really going to be the focus we're going to talk about this other guy it's it just feels de- deceptive right and also you know i've been dismissive of on spot but i just kind of thought of something and it actually kind of annoys me um so looking at the whole parable of the way nightcrawler and and also by the way uh someone of what wolverine just talked about in his solo book is Krakoa set up as like this mutant Eden, but it can't all be theories and sunshine and rainbows, right? There's got to be something more to it. And so, so if, if Krakoa is Eden, this book is kind of setting up Onslaught as kind of the snake in the garden, which is not bad from like an allegorical standpoint, but the I think the problem I have with that in context with the rest of the Krakoan books is, well, they're certainly not shown to be villains there's a whole there's still a lot of shadiness with charles and eric right the whole mystique thing and destiny sure. and not having telepaths and throwing saber tooth in the hole and you know there's there's kind of all this stuff that like you know maybe it's not entirely on the up and up i think if you make onslaught like the quote-unquote snake in the garden or the crack in the sunshine him being a combination of Charles and Eric's darker side, I don't want that to let them off the hook in any way, shape, or form. Like, whatever consequences need to happen from what Hickman set up needs to be solely and wholly Eric and Charles and not Onslaught, right? Like, it needs to be their character going through the consequences and rewards of all of this. And I think. The introducing Onslaught at this point not only is kind of silly, but also kind of could potentially undermine some of the other storytelling. It is not. Well, the irony of Onslaught here is that he's positioned the exact same way the Shadow King has been positioned. In uh-huh. the, in, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, so like, it's kind of weirdly repeat, like a weird repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like when you read X Force, you read Hellions, and you try and spot the difference. <laughs> um, so what frustrates me here is that and i want it out of the way because it's getting a, a onslaught's getting like a special isn't it way of x is like uh-huh. having a month off and it's gonna be like a special um what i want is whoever dreamt up 
be it Spuria, be it the X Office, whoever, whoever was like, oh, we'll do Onslaught. I want it just gone, like just gone. I want, like right. you said, I don't want it to affect anything. I just want it to affect like Legion and maybe Legion just, you know, it all just collapses. And after this whole Onslaught bullshit, we can get back to like uh, what the book was sort of tried to set up in the first issue. Because like, I like the elements here, but it just derails itself so easily. Uh-huh. Um, as soon as, as soon as, as soon as like everyone goes crazy and there's onslaught everywhere, it's kind of like, mm, do we need it? Do we want it? No, <laughs> I don't. I don't need to read this book to be honest. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've been kind of the one that's higher on it, but it's definitely middle of the road at best for me right now. So I'll just go ahead and say I'm just giving it a very flat three out of six claws for for number four. I'm going to join you with three. I also agree that I didn't say about it, but I do actually think that um, Quinn's kind of like growing on me, and I think he's has a really great sort of com- like yeah, but, Katsuni yes. style yep. to it. Um, it feels kind of like an indie book that hasn't got much funding. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not to, like that's not to like be offensive, but it it falls into like an indie book category for me. Um, so. It's got nice sensibilities, but yeah, definitely just a three. Yeah, I, uh, I, his art is fun in the comedic sense, but it, I don't know, it just doesn't grab me. Uh, I'm gonna give this book a two. I don't okay. think it's it's a bad book that is worthy of a two, but it just really it's pulled the rug out for me so much that I don't really care about the book anymore. Like if you can. Uh, if you can uh, insult the trust of the reader, I feel like that's what this book has done so much. And I, I, I don't. Plus, you bring in the onslaught. Like I don't care. Like even if, if was it written good, was the art good? Yeah, maybe. But like, you've been so de- deceitful. Like I don't, I don't feel like I deserve to give you any good grades. So that's that's <laughs> it, it's a review, like a vengeful two. Okay, and two out of spite. That's all right. We can have spite on here. No, no problem. Um, well, Georgie, let's let you go ahead and take us then into Marauders 22. Let's see if that, that picks us up or, or what. Okay, one second. Marauders 22. Um, ah, we backwards have... foot. Ugh. Oh, we'll get to that. Sorry. <laughs> what? Sorry, I was flipping through the book to like... <laughs> All right, well, let's just get to it right now. So in the scene where uh, Emma's pulling on her legging and she has one legging off, her oh, right okay. foot is on her left leg. Okay, well, I will. All right. Yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Georgie. That was the onslaught to my coverage <laughs> of this book. Um, so writer uh, Jerry Duggan, artist Mateo Lali and Klaus Jansen, uh, colors by Rainbow Rado, letters, VCs, Corey Pettit. Mm-hmm. Uh, design Tom Muller with a cover by Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson. And on the cover, we've got Emma and we've got this person whose name I've already forgotten. Um, Lords? Look, sorry? Lords. Yeah, Lords. Lords. Yeah. Uh, as, as Emma has taken the chess piece and tilted it over like the king has lost. And they're uh, looking sexy, looking down at uh, the black king here i don't know i mean uh, the characters look fine I, I there's nothing really that uh amazing or inspiring about this this cover for me it is literally um a rehash of is it issue three yeah or four? one of it's those. the same it's 
it's the same cover. It's just that we've got the new girl uh, or the old girl, I suppose. Right. And uh, instead of Sebastian, I believe was there, stood there yeah. um, before. Mm-hmm. But, um, Great, nice. All right then. Uh, whatever. It was a cover. Uh, so this book, uh, hopefully, I can blow through really quickly. Uh, the news talks about the guy who wants to go to space, and they hint that uh, what else could have happened at the Hellfire Club. Uh, then we have uh, hungover Emma dealing with uh, the day after the party, talking to her cuckoos who have found uh, someone in trouble on the beach. Uh, she has a talk with Sebastian, uh, and she's like, I gotta, I gotta give him some details. Meanwhile, the cuckoos uh, try to help this girl who had a bad daddy. Um, we cut back to after the meeting, and uh, White Queen's like, look, Sebastian, I gotta tell you something. And uh, then we switch to some really painful artist, and uh, we... <laughs> it's it's back in, like, the 80s. Um and there was a Hellfire Gala, and one of the Hellfire members, what's her name? Something Lords, mm-hmm. Lords something. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, and it's not because she's a woman. It's just because this story doesn't really matter. Um, she's been abused by Sebastian, and Emma's like, all right, I'll help you. And uh, they helped fake her death when a Sentinel attacks. Um, and uh, Sebastian wants her to come back and... and Emma's like, well, she's never died, and and this is the last we're going to speak of it. The end, uh, end, of, end of the book. I was this felt like, unless they're really setting up lords lords to come back in a certain way or a reason for Sebastian to to try and get revenge. This felt like, I don't know, felt like the day after the gala. I'm hungover from writing it, so I'm just going to throw a story out there, and we'll we'll wait until next time before I do anything meaningful. Like. <laughs> I, I do sound on this episode. I realized, like, sort of spiteful and, and uninterested. But Dan also mentioned, like, after the gala, these books don't really have something going on. And this felt like, well, I don't know. We can we can have a book where we just have Emma sit around for a minute, and I'll figure out what the story is next time. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think? You can't even have the pencil and do the whole book. Yeah, I um I'm can't stop staring at a panel of the kingpin's face that doesn't seem like his face is where the face should be. Um, it's it very, it very much looks like the Spider Verse kingpin. Yes, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be like. Yeah, but the the panel it looks like his face is slipping off his. Oh, head. I get it. Yeah, there yeah. are other panels I just, before that where he's weirdly placed as well. He's got like giant hunched shoulders. I, yeah, I get. And then there's a panel. The first panel of Emma looks like she's a cardboard cutout. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't know what the the reasoning was behind the choice. Also, I'm really not a big like the color work. There's there's too much shininess. Like everyone's been squared with like mist, Hollywood <laughs> mist. Everyone's, like, everyone's glowing. This uh, I think this is a case of t- uh, too much white light. Yeah. Um. Sort of like slightly taints the whole vibe because it's sure we're, de- we're dealing with uh, she. He's one of the, the the young girls, one of the crazy um, Hellfire Club kids, right? Yes. Uh, and I'm just like, when can we just get rid of these kids? Because they're just not good story material. Like, I generally thought it'd be more. I think I said this on the podcast about the Hellfire Club. I was like, is she another cuckoo or something that they're reactivating? Right. No, they're just. I like I, it's okay. It's it's a it's a decent story. Like it's both stories echo the idea of abuse and what happens to sure you know, what happens to, and it's it's you know we 
it's just told in a very matter of fact way. There's no like it's almost emotional... too nonchalant for yeah, the yeah. subject it's matter. Very much, very much written by a man, for sure. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't know, it just doesn't because it doesn't care and it brushes it all aside. Doesn't make me want to care. And if we think about like, the last issue of this of, of Marauders was um, sort of like a, the idea, the promise of a changing of the of, of the guard, a changing of the, the book itself. We've it wasn't it was ready. Leaving. It wasn't ready. This was the this was the issue, the bridge issue. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm just kind of like, I don't know, because we're bringing this Lord Lord Lordess whatever her name is back because she's gonna obviously she's gonna be a part of the book, right? If not, then what is the point of anything that's happening? <laughs> uh-huh. right. It's like because no, we can't go through another. Emma does this. Sebastian retaliates. Emma retaliates. Sebastian retaliates. We can't do that over and over again until, like, there's no one, everyone's just blind because there's so much revenge going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I don't even think it's written very well. I don't, like, the, the dialogue doesn't really do much for me here. He's clearly writing X-Men, not this. <laughs> yeah, moment, yes, right? yeah. Um, it's a bit lackluster for me, to be yeah. fair. It's definitely a case of sometimes heroes in the past should stay in the past. And what I mean by that is I love Klaus Janssen in the late 70s, even up to the late 80s. He does Obviously, he does stuff where he um, does some Daredevil stuff, does some Punisher stuff, does, does some really – he does Batman stuff in that time period, like, like – very for a street level type art style, he would he did a lot of really cool stuff with shadows and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. This does not work, and I have nothing but respect for him as an artist and his career. But and this is how he's going to draw now. He should probably just do something else. <laughs> I don't know. It just it didn't work for me, and I understand why they probably pulled him in because it is like this story would have been from his heyday, right? right? So. But even that, though, the art doesn't, it doesn't necessarily look 80s to me. It just looks trashy, mm-hmm. um, yep. sloppy. Um, are we talking about this book or are we talking about New Mutants? Oh, no. Oh, okay, we're going to agree. <laughs> we're we're going to disagree on New Mutants. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll get that in a minute. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and, just, and it's, su- it's such an abrupt thing. Like, I think they could have done – something else to make it look retro. Like I would honestly would have rather them gone like pop art and do halftone or something. You know what I mean? Like have fun with the retro aspect of it versus just being this kind of, uh, the art's just kind of gross. And I don't want to, I, and Dan, you kind of said, it, and I was kind of trying not to say it, but I'll just go and jump on it. It feels like, I'm not saying that, I'm not one of those guys that you can't write something that's not your own experience. I mean, part of being a good writer is putting yourself in experience. But it is very much like, oh, well, I was I was abused slash molested as a child. The only thing I need to do to get past that is a revenge plot, which, I mean, is very stereotypically masculine that like, oh, I can just solve everything by getting justice or even in the odds versus, you know, oh – this can be like a, a way to grow the character and then transform and do something different. It's just like, oh, well, and, and don't get me wrong, I very much appreciate, because I think the line that one of them says is, you know, if there's anything Emma taught us is that 
you know, men who mistreat women, you know, we, we got to stand up for each other, right? Like, that part was cool. But it just is very just like, oh, I was abused, and now I remember it. You guys made me remember it. You thought you were helping me. It actually turned out to be really, really painful. So here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to go kill your dad. You're like, all right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just – maybe for some people that works, but for me it just felt odd. And then – you know, very much Emma protecting, you know, lords from from Shaw's abuse. I think it could be a really complex story that she hands him over to the kingpin who is likely to abuse her just as badly, <laughs> potentially, right? I mean, he definitely had his... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't... Does he, he doesn't really have like a sexual abuse sort of a physical hitting women abuse Not sort of a thing, does he? usually, but there were a couple of instances with Typhoid Mary where it got kind of close. Um, gotcha. But, but no, like with his relationship with Vanessa was very much like respectful and stuff. So, but even then, like just being part of that or, like a criminal organization, like oh, could he that, use her in terrible ways? Sure, but it yeah. just don't. It doesn't right. seem like he would, you know, punch her in the face or something. Right, right, right. Now I do think I mean there's one part that's interesting though. It is that Emma's like, okay, she doesn't owe you anything. I'll just owe you more for this. Which I thought that part was kind of heroic and interesting, and you know, anything this book does continues to make Emma more complex, and so we got at least a little bit of that there, not no, not as much as we've gotten before. Um, but yeah, the art. Well, I was glad to see Lolly back. Doesn't have a whole lot to draw on his parts either. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it felt like very filler to me. And with subject matter that shouldn't be filler, I guess would be my point. Word. Yep. All right, then. Well, you want to rate this this and, and move on? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I don't know. You guys go. Y'all may talk me up or down. I'm going to go uh, a two. I just don't think it's, yeah, it's the worst Marauders has been. Yeah, I'm I'll, I'm there with you. It's a two. It's not a good Marauders book. Like the book that has been the most consistent, despite some uh, uh, art here and there, uh, has uh, really dropped. I don't know, dropped the ball. Just it feels like uh, I think I think you said it, Jason. The artist was clearly more, in- or the the writer was clearly more interested in X Men than he was with uh, continuing the story in this book. Yeah, but Dugan is still writing when the new artist comes on, right? Or is it a writer change, too? Yeah. So we'll see. It it definitely feels like a misstep to me. I will go ahead. I was on the fence between a two and a three. Um, I'll I'll go down there with you guys. I think I can easily say, and I'm trying to to recap the previous issues, probably my least favorite of the series. Yeah. I mean, and to to get to 22 issues before I say that's probably not – I mean, we're an overall – Volume is pretty good, but this one just didn't didn't work mm-hmm. for me, and it could have. Like, like I'm very much in favor of let the abusers get their comeuppance, but this wasn't even really that either. So, <laughs> just and just kind of didn't it kind of misfired in a lot of different ways for me. Mm-hmm. So, all right, New Mutants number twenty will be the last book we talk about, and this is to live and die on Krakoa or Secrets and Lies. Written by Vina Ayala, art by Alex Lenz, colors by Matt Mia, letters by VCs Travis Travis Lanham, uh, designed by Tom Mueller and Martin Simmons. 
when the D does the cover. I really like this cover. It's yeah. a big saying Kemishi Shadow King trying to grab Gabby, and I, I think it's fantastic. It's the best cover of the the bunch. Easily. I would it's even like, with yeah. the Laraz cover, I would agree. Yeah. Yes, uh, this might be like one of the best covers of the year for me. That's how much I, I really enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, I love how misty uh, and particle-y, uh the Shadow King is. Mm-hmm. Uh, like sort of invading, like he's all over the place. She can't escape him. Uh, I love how ominous it is, and the colors, like that 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 red popping out of the white, looks so good. Yeah, and I know a lot of times. Um, I, I don't say a lot of times. It's kind of a mixed bag, right? Sometimes you feel like the cover artists work with the logo, mm-hmm. and sometimes you feel like they draw a cover of the logo and just get slapped on it. Here, the placement of the logo works really well. The way it goes across the fez. Um, I don't know. Maybe a silly thing to, to pick on, but it just. I would actually wonder who gets to decide what the logo goes on. Like they may not even be the artist. Like uh, right, I choice, don't think it know? normally is. Right, so it makes me happy coincidence. But <laughs> if, if nothing I, I, else, maybe he was at least conscious of it, <laughs> and so stayed out of the way. I love the fact that the shirt panel exists and like his his own signature when he signed his name on the thing, it looks like a belt buckle. Uh, yeah. I think it's really well <laughs> together. And the fact yeah. it looks like a not only does it look like she's being completely consumed, is the, the the definite like puppet strings and yes. I thought it's like an arrow, almost like an arrow going up as well. There's such so, so many like design and it is definitely one of the best covers of the year. Well like of for sure. Yeah. Yep. Really great. All right, so inside this one, I I don't remember exactly how we got from the bushes to wherever this platform is. Basically, uh, the New Mutant kids have found Gabby's body, and they're very distraught, even though they just fought with her. Um, obviously, you know, the trauma changes, and if anything makes them regret the fight they had. And no girl occupies her body, and says, you know, we have to do something, and they kind of argue about what that should be. Uh, Anoli, who's probably the most seasoned of this group, is like, we got to tell the X-Men, get their help. But all the other kids disagree. And they decide what they're going to do is kind of do their own form of resurrection. So they're going to go find her backup, but instead of growing a new body, they're going to use the powers they've been working on to possess dead bodies and basically repossess Gabby's body with her own backup soul, I guess is, I mean, what I can figure that's the plan. Um, and so they decide that's what they're going to do. They're going to sneak around and do that. And there's some, some fun like, conversation around that. Then there's kind of a confusing part to me. I got, I think either a shadow is weird or maybe miscolored, but, uh, so Shadow King is at the bar with, with Rain, and they're talking about whatever their their plans are. And then Karma's also there. And Shadow King leaves her as invisible to other people. That's when I wasn't sure if he was actually there or not. Um, but regardless, uh, Karma and Rain have a very kind of just nasty conversation. Rain is definitely on, on edge and is not happy and lets that be known and kind of storms off. And then we kind of get a cool mission of the new mutants. They, you know, actually, really, the text piece is one that every now and then these work really well. To me, this one, this one works because if Sage's talking about, hey, y'all wanted to train the kids, 
you wanted to give them real life training that was non-combat. So they send them on a rescue mission, which I thought was really cool. They're going to find this new kid, um, uh, Warpath and Magic are kind of leading the mission with, with some of their kids. And they do. They rescue this kid. There's a cool rumble in the sand, which I thought was nice. Um, and so the idea is they're trying to rescue and the town immediately turns on them, not because they're mutants, not because they're mad at the kid, but because they're afraid they're going to take the kid to Krakoa without consulting them. Like they, Their thought was, oh, the... the Mutants or X-Men or whatever showed up, they're going to take my baby and just take her away to the to Mutant Island and I'll never see her again. And they're like, no, we want to help her here at her home with her family. And so uh, Warpath actually is the one who kind of gets a good read on the situation for her, which I thought was really cool because I like when he actually has stuff to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so he turns the daughter over and like, hey, here's what we'll do. You, you over here, you plant a scene, we'll put a gate here. We can send people to help her here, right? Like almost like like remote learning, right? Like we'll send send some teachers and some other mutants to help her learn to control her powers at her house. Uh, you know, you know, we're in the pandemic. All my kids did virtual learning last year. I'm getting ready to go back to school, but um, kind of a virtual a virtual power learning, right? And then um, in the meantime, the gate she can pass through whenever she wants. Also, by the way. If you give us advance warning, if she wants to bring her mom or whoever, they can come with her, right? We, we can give them the flower or whatever. We need. They don't get in the specifics here, but, I, you know, assuming that it would work out. Um, and so it's, I know it's really, like, nice touching moment where he kind of really, really, like, um, uh, de-escalates the situation and, and thinks on his feet, comes up with good solutions, uh, knows that she makes the kid feel very welcome to either stay here or come to Krakoa to visit whenever she wants. And that, and also the idea, because there's kind of been a little bit of, at least when you read X-Men in the other books, like in their guest appearances right now, it's kind of like, well, if you don't want to come to Krakoa or help Krakoa, then we can't do anything with you. And and here James is very much like, no, I mean, if you don't want to come, you can kind of come and go, but if you don't come, we'll send help to you, which is just, I don't know, just really tugged on my heart a little bit and then we get to a weird scene where okay so when no girl possesses people does she get their memories i have no idea okay so they they run into doc and then gabby bites his head off, or no girl via gabby bites his head off but in a very specific ways of like right so not only in a way that gabby wouldn't act which is weird the dog is just kind of like oh that was mean like he should have known something was up and not just kind of blown it off. So that part was kind of weird for me. But, but yeah, very specifically, like, oh, you only you only love me when I'm around, or you don't care what happens. Like you're too busy chasing tail or whatever. Like I kind of uh, maybe it doesn't make sense for her to know that, but I really liked it because the way that he's acted towards her has not been supportive, right? And uh, if you look at how. His his interest in uh, the book that shall not be named. All he really cares about is is getting in bed with Aurora. So like it, this made a lot of sense to me. Like I was on yeah. her side when she was saying this, even if maybe no girl wouldn't have those memories. Yeah, no, and I I don't think in this way that it's all wrong. It just is very 
out of character for Gabby. And even if No Girl was using like her experience to say, I'm a little more bitter, so I'm going to focus on maybe the negative aspects that Gabby is feeling uh-huh. but hasn't said, I, I, I don't even think it's necessarily a bad conversation. I think the fact that the doc is just like, oh, well, that sucks. You're mean. You're and, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then just goes about his day, right? Like, I guess I guess I had that coming. And, and that part's kind of okay because it's reflexive for Doc and actually takes him, like, look at himself and maybe I shouldn't do this a little better. And, and just as far as the plot for them getting by him and him not stopping them, it seems like a weird way to get there because I feel like maybe the opposite should have really happened. But anyway, that's just maybe a nitpicky, I guess. Um, but so they do get to the uh, the egg place and they, they get busted. So they go in the back door. But then uh, they find not Tempo, but Tempus and end up no girl takes her over so they can try to do the resurrection and get the backup. But then uh, Rain shows up and is very angry. And then we have an ending with uh, uh, Karma talking to Donnie or Danny, sorry, uh, saying, you know, we need to talk about rain, and that's the end. Um, George, you made a comment you didn't like this artist. I, I'm actually enjoying it. Um, I especially didn't like uh, where they were on the mission. I thought it looked very sloppy. Okay. Uh, especially, um, oh man, my brain has died on me. Uh, especially magic looked really uh, rough. Uh, it just looked kind of. I mean, there's the panel where uh, he's running away from like the collapse, and he looks really the, so little detail, and, and the sand just looks like like not a lot of effort went into it. Uh, I don't like the fire effects. It just looks it just looks sloppy to me. Uh, okay. It looked better, uh, you know, when we had. Uh, the young mutants together. It looks a little bit better, but you know, uh, I don't know if they're trying out new artists on the book. I don't know if Reyes is coming back and these are all just fill-ins, but I definitely preferred like the cartoony uh, style of the previous oh. uh, artist over this. Well, well, well sure. <laughs> I mean, R- Rod Reyes is a generational artist. So oh, no, 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 no. But we had, we had a, uh, an issue after Reyes that was another fill-in artist that was very like cartoony. Uh, I don't remember I, who I it, was. it was. This person. Really? I, the looks, I, I think it's a very different <laughs> style. Otherwise, I. So li- my mind. Alex wins. She did, or they did number nineteen for sure. I don't know. Before that. That's crazy because it looked like it looks so different. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, All right. I feel like uh, the previous issue that they did. Uh, Looks way better. I'm flipping through right now. It looks really <laughs> kind of pretty. And I, well, uh, if you have an open confirm, I'm, pr- oh, I'm it's like 99% person. sure it's no, the same person. You're right. Person. It's the same person. I just thought it was someone else because uh, <laughs> this this issue looked like crap. And uh, <laughs> especially when I look at Rain in, in the previous issue compared to this issue, there's, um, maybe they didn't have as much time. I just felt uh, felt like this was not a this was this was subpar. Uh, I I I mean I agree with some of your stylistic aspects it is kind of cartooning and simple and and definitely not as detailed but i i still enjoyed it dan what do you think so like i'm in two minds um i love a lot of the stuff with kids i think there's a really great warmth the um i can't remember what his name is it's surf boy or water boy or whatever i think the fact <laughs> that he's like um, almost see-through is really 
good choice in color work and in Wait, artwork. And time time out. Did you give Waterboy an alternate name of Surf Boy? Yeah, I don't know what I his name love is. Love it. Love it. That that's my new name for him. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um and I like um it's got shades of like um Greg Capolo um sure. around the faces of some people and I really uh, like it. I didn't know that the two eyes were the same. Oh, <laughs> um, because because I remember the other one being more cartoony than this, and yes, so this yeah, feels exactly. this feels less cartoony, but it does have like shades of um like a, a um, sort of when it's with the kids, it really works, and I think the, the little flashbacks where they're all talking about what 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 Gabby means to them was really nice, and yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Them, yeah I, mean, like, I, I didn't mean to skip that part. That was really cool. They're really, really nicely rendered and really beautifully done. Though he can't, in this issue, Rain just looks crazy. She's got like Ming the Merciless eyebrows, and I don't know. <laughs> um, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. So sort of, I know it's to exaggerate the anger because like they use the weird um, color splash behind her when she's like mm-hmm. slamming glasses down and stuff. And uh, like I think it's, it's crazy because juxtapositioned. Uh, his karma is really nice in places. It's like really, really calm, and how I sort of picture her is often in like a situation like that where she's quite like in a good demeanor, and she's sat there like, okay, I'll just take it, but I'll also like give it back to you, but I won't slam shit around, um, sort of thing. And I love his Shadow King, like that imposing shot of the the, the panel with the Shadow King, just like massive hulking monstrosity, um, and I. Generally, like his um, warpath. Look, uh, you, you can tell Greg Pak's not writing it because warpath's not flying everywhere like he, he was. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I actually, I generally thought I was like, can't he fly? So like, surely he could just fly away. <laughs> I generally think that. I wonder if the Wikipedia page has been changed since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I really like. Um, his warpath, like John, generally, and I really love um, Vita's sort of dialogue all the way through. Yes, but his magic, his magic is just like no offense. She looks kind of like a horse in the face, <laughs> and like the, the and the fire. You're right, Georgie, and also so it describes them. It describes like the combination of powers, like um, teleport discs. And I looked at them and I was like, that is not a disc. That's like a wonky mouth, and like all of them are wonky mouth. <laughs> Because like there are there are points where there's a I think the mother has a shorter arm on one side than the other I don't know if that's intentional or just or or just a, a slight perspective differencing but there are moments where I don't think it's 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 very good but I think when he when it works with the kids it really works like he really does um, the um, what's her name the the reality warper like really great looking like interpretation of that character and i do want to point out one thing um because i was reading something recently uh so anoli used to be on a team with laura um way back in new new like mm-hmm. new x-men, new X-Men. Mm-hmm. and i'm like and i'm like he hasn't grown up <laughs> but all of his peers have grown up right <laughs> like he's the only one that stayed like he has to stay as a uh, as a kid I was like, but like he's with like all these other people who've become like X Men and stuff, <laughs> and he's still <laughs> just training. <laughs> I felt really bad. I feel bad for him. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I, I like him. I, I I think the script's really good, and I yes. I, mm-hmm. I, compared to like Children of the again, it's kind of like um, 
uh, Teeny Howard with like X X Car and Excalibur, where you can tell that they're two different people. Like, like Children of the Atom is. I, I don't know, understand I how it's up, the same. But I know I'm in the minority there. I just don't understand how it's the same writer because this is really good. It's really emotive. Character's got great depth. The, the, yeah. The, 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 the threads, the plates that she's because I did what I did say that she might be spinning too many plates, uh, much like X Men is now. But like she's managing to bring it all sort of together into one, like one pure. Um, I was gonna say perfect timeline. I've been watching too much Loki. Um, <laughs> one, one storyline which really works, and um, I agree with Dak. Dak like wouldn't have been like, oh, okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I feel like there'd be something more there, but right. at the same time, he's uh, he's just proven what she's just said. True, true. Then his head so far up his own ass, and he's like, oh, yeah. And the only thing that I, because like obviously, no girls possessing people, because um, until she swapped bodies with uh, to temp the, the Tempest, I generally thought it might have been the Shadow King inside her body, but uh, trying to get his own ah. body. Oh, okay. So, so until they swapped, I was like, oh, because I thought that was the big, the big play is that he's trying to get his own um, flesh. Because he's never really there, is he? Right. It's just all stuff in your head. Does that make sense? Because I like, I like the fact there was a shadow cast, but there was no body. So it's kind of like creepy Shadow King sort of stuff going on. Because that shadow is smiling, I think, if I remember correctly, if I look back at it. But anyway, um, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, mean... I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than the rest of them. I, I the art I have issues with, but I, I really want to say, and Dan really hit all the great points that that Vida really killed the book. Uh, yes, in in a good way. Like the writing here is so superb. All those plates, the spinning plates that Dan mentioned, are coming to fruition. I really felt the the characters. Uh, all the young kids have their own unique voices, and you can feel like the love they have for each other. Like I really love the writing of this book. I I just felt like what Vida did was unfortunately saddled with like uh, some subpar artwork uh especially um in the, in the field work uh section of, of the book it, it was i was so disappointed because like i love i love the characters the way this i love the way this is written i wish there was some better art, art happening here all right fair enough so what how how much is is the art and writing going to balance out for you when are you going to give new mutants number 20 Man, I am so I'm having such a tough time because I really <laughs> do like what Vita's doing here. Um and the artwork does like I'm very tempted to give this like a five for all the character work. Uh and this this despite the artwork here. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna screw it. Like I'm I'm a very weird rating <laughs> this week. I'm gonna give this a five. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the book more than I think the artwork deserved. Okay. Um, all right, Dan. I, it's an easy five. It's it's not a six because there are issues that I have with certain like positionings and faces and fire and such forth. But it's such a great read. And to be fair, compared to the other three, it just kind of blows them out of the water. Oh sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does for sure. Uh, no, it's it's an easy five for me. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the qualms of the art that you guys had, which is fine. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a very even with the docking moment that I mentioned. It, it's still like both of you said, uh, Vita with their dialogue and the writing and the characterization. I can forgive 
a couple little things that I might focus on with my mm-hmm. laser focus because that's that's really not fair either. But I think the book overall is so strong, and since I like the art more, um, I'm, yeah, it's an easy five for me. Like high five, definite highlight of the last couple of weeks. Um, mm. Not only for the X books, but I would say for you know for my comics in general, I'm just it's a high point yeah. of, of what I've read the last several weeks. Yeah, it's great to have Vita on the book. I think we were sort of, I think they did Prisoner of X or whatever, and we were mm-hmm. certain how this would be. But um, I think there was one issue that was a little bit we weren't as as great on. But uh, for the most part, uh, they have done an excellent job writing, like taking over uh, yes. the So this is this is great. Very happy, and I feel like the focus continues to. Uh, that's a dumb sentence. I was going to say the focus continues to focus in, which is. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think that the focus continues to sharpen um, and not to say that there's a less going on. I think I think they still have plenty of other plots and stories they want to weave in and out. But it just it seems a little tighter. And that, sure. that makes the book just feel really, really strong. Agreed. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, I think the, I think that's going to do it. So, any any closing thoughts on the on the state of X right now, or y'all feel good? Uh, it feels a little listless, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, everyone's sort of having a hangover, I believe. I think Hopefully so. Go. Hopefully, homeless stuff will kind of pick back up and continue to to hit uh-huh. a little harder. But all right, cool. Well, um, I know I. I I got ahead of myself and already mentioned y'all's uh, latest Loki episode, but talk a little bit about Escalbros and what y'all have coming up. Well, uh, as we mentioned, we finished up our Loki coverage. Um, the episode dropped earlier uh, this week, so please, please do check it out. And we, we are really burnt out. Uh, and yes, that does have something to do with the quality of the show. Uh, so we are burnt out on on the MCU stuff for a minute. Uh, we're gonna uh, go back to our normal comics coverage uh there is a cool x-men legends uh arc happening the just just the first issue just came out with peter david taking a uh dive back into the 90s uh, x4 x factor team so i think dan and i might cover that uh as well so uh right. we, we're just jumping back into the comics how about how about you dan anything you want to add to that um no just um yeah comics uh, no more tv shows um <laughs> for the while. yeah oh i've had enough uh, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, listen, the, only, the only thing I that the counter argument to that was I got more episodes out of you guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you could feel our like anger and like no, anxiety as this way, yeah, as it went on. Yeah, <laughs> I listened. <laughs> I just listened to uh, episode fifty, which was y'all did the episode four and five of the show. And you can definitely. <laughs> the energy was shifting for sure. Very, very <laughs> I remember when we were just like, we we were like, should we do them as separate episodes? And we were like, no. <laughs> just, no. Get this out of the way. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, yeah, definitely, guys. Um, go check them out at Excalibros. Other Twitter is at Excalibros1. And you can find them on all the uh, podcasting platforms. Yep. And, well, and also, Jason. Thank you so much for having us on your 450th episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't really realize that. We I didn't prepare a cake. There's no flowers. There's no songs. <laughs> I don't 
Uh, the, the stripper will be there in 20 minutes, so figure okay. out how you're going to handle that with the family. But uh, Right, right, right. Uh, you know, just stay on the porch. I'll come from the, from the <laughs> So awesome. Well, yeah, it is. I it's crazy that I'm at 450. I really would not have ever thought I would do this show for this long, but um, here we are. Mm. And <laughs> so that about to uh, about to celebrate and and trying to throw some special stuff together for my ninth anniversary, which is nuts. Awesome. But uh. You know, I, I figure as long as I'm at least mildly interested in the comics, and as long as I'm continuing to make new comics friends, then I'll I'll keep doing this at least a little bit longer. So, right. But yeah. Well, speaking of the podcast, uh, you can find me at, on Twitter at Snickcast. Um, you can like the Facebook page if that's your bag, and then um, of course show notes and stuff are on the Podbean site. So definitely go check all that out and. You know, Georgie Dan, over the last couple of years, y'all have been such a huge part of the show, and there's no one I would rather rather spend 450 with. So thanks, y'all, as Aww. always, for just you know, being good co-hosts and just being great friends and just really, really enjoying the times we get to chat and record. And We love it, man. We love being on the show. It's awesome. It's awesome fun. Yeah. So tell Ian he, he missed a big one, but we'll get him next time. I will do. <laughs> <laughs> all right well everyone out there guys uh please stay safe stay well i know we're we're getting back to the end of the summer here uh you know and different people different situations of the pandemic a lot of changes coming up for a lot of people so just navigate those waters as best you can stay safe and just be kind and, and love each other and we'll all talk again soon so until next time hugs and snicks everyone bye-bye all right bye. And snack.